This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. In a world where overspending, debt, and keeping up with the Joneses rules us all. Where the voices from the merchants, restaurants, and credit companies lord over the common man. Out of the darkness, like a beacon of hope, comes a new voice. A voice that's rich and creamy, like your favorite butter. And delicious, like cheeseburger pizza on your diet cheat day. It's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, money nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Duggan. I'd love to tell you about today's show, but we have a major problem, Houston. I apparently have a bald spot on the back of my head. A bald spot! Now I'm only amazingly attractive from three different angles. I'm going to have to figure this out, but on today's show, we're turning the spotlight on you with another Letters episode. Plus, in our headlines, a popular site is out with their annual Millennials and Credit Card Survey. We'll talk to Mike Brown from LendEDU about the results and how you can better handle credit. Plus, the government is axing a not-so-popular savings shelter. We'll also throw out the Haven Lifeline to Jay, whose advisor is recommending some active trading in his IRA and... Save time for my hair-raising trivia. And here they are, two guys who are collectively the bald spot on this podcast, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Bald is beautiful, man. You know, I told you what my kid said about the little uh, little circle that's going on the top of my head, right? When. I don't know if it was my eight-year-old or ten-year-old who said it, but uh, one of them said, "Dad, you have like a black hole on the top <laughs> of your head, and it is sucking in all of the hair." <laughs> hey, everybody! I am Joe Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and across this little rickety card table from me in the basement is the one and only other guy, or OG. Happy Monday, man! Yeah, same to you. Of course, this was the same kid, by the way, that saw a commercial for Rogaine on an airplane and screamed as loud as he could, Dad! Dad! This would work for you! <laughs> you know what else will work for you, OG? I don't know, but you're probably fixing to tell us. I, th- I think M1 Financing. Man, fixing to, huh? Fixing to? You doing that? What else is there to do? I, I, I don't know. I think you're either doing it or not doing it. I don't know. The term financial services, though, is interesting, isn't it? Because for a lot of people, they probably feel that it's really just an industry servicing itself. M1 Finance wants you to change that and help you take control of your money like never before. 
With M1, you create a customized portfolio so you can invest like you should, investing in the companies and industries you totally believe in. Don't throw your money into some investing service you can't control or into a self-directed brokerage. It's so complex, you don't know how to get started. M1 makes it incredibly simple. Here's what you do. You log into an intuitive interface and technology that automates the process once you set up your account. And if you need help, M1 has dozens of professionally designed portfolios you can choose from to get started. The first $1,000 is free, and it's only point. 25% for accounts up to $100,000 and 0.15 for accounts over $100,000. So go ahead, check out M1 Finance today on the web at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash M, the number one finance. That's stackingbenjamins.com M1 Finance or download their slick mobile app on iOS or Android. M1 Finance, be invested. So the very beginning of that M1 piece, you mentioned uh, customer service and the financial services industry. And it reminds me immediately of this old George Carlin bit about uh, customer service. Oh, I've never thought th it, that was really funny. I've never heard it. Yeah, here you go. Count. I'm servicing this account. This customer needs service. Now you know what they need. You can imagine. Yeah, say, yeah, George. Specialize in customer service. You can imagine what he's doing with his body there as he's <laughs> servicing the account. It's so bad. I love George Carlin. God rest his soul. Uh, and if you've ever been frustrated that the tool you're using to manage your money, OG, wasn't flexible enough, spe speaking of what he does with his body, <laughs> flexible. If if the tool wasn't flexible enough to service the account. Okay. All right. I see where we're right. going there. Well, if it, you got worried that you haven't met today's sponsor, Tiller Money. Tiller is the only personal finance tool giving you complete control over how you manage your money. Tiller automatically pulls your latest spending and earnings transactions and account balances into a Google Sheet for you each day. Choose from a variety of powerful and easy-to-use pre-built templates or harness Tiller's power to build your own Google Sheet money management dashboard. With bank-grade security, Tiller supports over 10,000 institutions so you can track your spending, measure progress on your budget, monitor your net worth, or build new reports for your own unique finance tracking needs without the fuss of logging into multiple sites or manually exporting data. As our own Kathleen, our business partner, says, Tiller money, it's like Google Sheets and Mint had a baby. <laughs> stackybenjamins.com forward slash tiller t-i-l-l-e-r that's stackybenjamins.com forward slash tiller we got a good show today man we've got letters big time letters but we've got a couple headlines first so let's move hello darlings and now it's time for your favorite part of the show our stacking benjamins headlines our first headline comes to us from just about every major publication in the united states but this one is from Yahoo Finance. Treasury announces steps to wind down the MyRA program, OG. This happened just a couple of weeks ago out of Washington, D.C. The U.S. Department of Treasury today announced that it will begin to wind down the MyRA program after a thorough review by Treasury that found it not to be cost effective. This review was undertaken as part of the administration's effort to assess existing programs and promote a more effective government. Demand for investment in the MyRA program has been extremely low. American taxpayers have paid nearly $70 million to manage the program since 2014. Boy, uh, that's a high expense ratio. You and I called that. We called that oh, a long gosh. time ago. Yeah, we talked about this when it first came out, right? This is, this. Is, ugh, I'm so happy this is over. I like and the I, fact. And I don't understand why it's even news, frankly. What the, I don't understand why it was there done. to begin with. Like, there's nothing good about this thing. Well, what I do like, I do like the focus on trying to, like when we had the MyRA people on from the Department of Treasury, I like the fact that they were trying to handle a problem, which is the savings rate, especially among poor Americans, is very slow. And part of the reason is they say that they're afraid of the stock market. But what's funny is we don't we don't need, to your point, we don't need a new program to solve, that, new umbrella to to solve that problem. Under. We can yeah. solve that problem with the Roth IRA. Yeah, and, and there's already established private institutions that handle this very well. There's tons of brokerage companies. There's tons of custodians out there that are really great at this. I mean, shoot, even even look at the fintech, like an Acorns thing or um, what's one of the other one? Didn't Digit just close down or start charging money or something? So they kind of... Yeah, Digit just started charging, just but, started uh, charging more. <clears throat> yeah, they just kind of screwed the pooch. But, you know, at the end of the day... Why, why do we have to, $70 million? Come on. 
Come on. This press release actually says the same thing. Retirement savers have options in the private sector that offer no account maintenance fees, no minimum balance, and safe investment opportunities. Some good stuff there. Good riddance. And in our second headline, a new Millennials and Credit Card survey out. And we're talking to one of the people that created the survey from LendEDU. Mike Brown joins us on My Dad Shortwave. Welcome, man. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well, ab- to be on. absolutely. But millennials and credit cards, Mike, this 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 seems like a little bit of a train wreck when I read your results. Yeah, a little bit. Definitely. Train wreck is definitely an accurate terminology to describe this uh, survey. Yeah. So you had 17 questions about credit card usage, perceptions and knowledge. Let's go over some of these. 41 percent of millennials thought that using a credit card is a scary thing. Why do you think that is? I think that stems back to just growing up in the financial crisis of 2007-2008. I think that uh, the Great Recession scared a lot of people from incurring debt, um, you know, because the mortgage, the mortgage debt was one of the main drivers of the economy collapsing. So I think, especially because this poll is done with millennials, they were growing up right to the midst of the financial crisis. Gotcha. And all they heard was, you know, don't take out debt. Debt was the reason that the market collapsed and the economy collapsed. So I think it stems from growing up in that era. They have this association that if they take on a credit card, they're going to take on debt, and that eventually is going to lead down a bad path. And that actually is better than the opposite, which is that you know it can. Cre- I mean, it can create massive problems. So I guess I like I like that piece. But when you couple it with the next answer, thirty six percent of millennials, like one in three, right, say that they've maxed out right. their credit card limit. So they see it as scary, and they're taking full advantage of it in the wrong way. Right, exactly. That's an excellent point. Whether or not they know what their credit card limit is or, you know, whether they just don't care or whether they think they can just swipe their credit card and there's no repercussions, I can't tell you the exact answer to that. But, yeah, that's uh, two contradictory stats where they are scared of credit cards, but they're not as scared to splurge on their credit card. Yeah, 45% of millennials say they don't know the interest rate on their credit card, yet 48% carry a balance on their credit card. Do you know what the average credit card interest rate is that the average millennial is is carrying? I don't have any idea. Do you? Right now, I just doing some quick research. It looks like the average uh, APR rose to 15.07% this past Wednesday, it looked like. Okay. So 15, around 15%, I guess. Yeah, 15% is a great rate of return for the credit card company. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask you about this next one. 24% of millennials see their credit card as a status symbol. Why do you think that is? Right. I think, especially when it's millennials, millennials are going out a lot. They're going out on the weekends. They're with people. They're trying to meet new people. One of the ways they think they can present themselves as more attractive, or I don't know what word you want to use, is by showing that they have money. Gotcha. And, you know... You whip out your credit card and you have a really nice credit card. I think that implies that you have money. It's kind of like the way people associate the black card with being extremely wealthy. Kind of the same situation as that, but just on a much smaller scale. I remember that in college when I had my American Express card. And I actually was so bad, Mike, that I had mine taken away. But while while I had it, <laughs> while I had it, you're Not right. Perfect. I totally whipped out that card and I thought I was pretty damn cool because I just had the green card and none of my friends did. Yeah, right. It's kind of like the exact opposite of having alligator arms have, when you surround a table with a bunch of friends. Right. Uh, you want to extend those arms and you know show everyone that nice credit card you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask me. That didn't work out that well. But the last one <laughs> that I wanted to get to, and I know you have a lot of other stuff, 6% of millennials said that a late payment would help their credit score. <laughs> that's, that, that's, a, that's amazing. So if I pay my credit card late, my score is going to go up. What's that about? Yeah, Joe, I have a hard time explaining that one myself. Um, I don't see why they would think that would be the case. Making a late payment or missing a payment is a bad thing. No one is ever going to get rewarded for you know doing something bad or doing something wrong. Uh, I'm not quite sure what that 6% was thinking. I hope they haven't been making late payments on purpose because if that was the case, I don't know what their credit score would look like. Yeah. So the site is LendEDU. We'll link to it on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Also the study at LendEDU. Mike Brown, thanks for hanging out for a minute. Thanks for having me on, Joe. Really appreciate it. Big thanks to Mike Brown again from LendEDU. <laughs> Who, who's the person that thinks that your credit goes up when you miss a payment? If that were the case, my credit score would be a million. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a jillion.
Guess what, honey? I have <laughs> another increase in the credit score, sweetheart. I haven't paid a dime. We're going out to dinner again with the money that I owe Citibank. Oh, that's ching. Uh, yeah. Better yeah. yet, we can refinance this tomorrow because our credit score keeps going up. You know, you take what Mike Brown talked about, and you you take the MyRA news and the the one lesson from our headlines: education, man, educate yourself on what's out there. There's, there's got to be a base level, right, that you've got to be responsible for to to participate in today's day and age. Oh, it's a big day because you are our guest today. We are taking your letters. We're going to do this a little more often than we have in the past so that we keep okay. up with letters. And, and letters are so fun. I love uh, the stuff that we get. So let's just jump in, OG. Bring it. First letter comes to us from Adrian. He says, I have a Schwab PCRA available in my 401k plan at work. I've never heard of these. There is not much info on the site. Are these types of plans worth it? Thanks for not teaching me a thing, Adrian. Hey, Adrian. Well, let me uh, explain what this is for people that don't know what a PCRA account is. Every investment company, kind of the big ones, Schwab, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, uh, come to mind, have what's considered a uh, self-directed brokerage account. This is basically you've got your 401k and your 401k has its list of funds. And then you also can buy your own stuff, right? You've got a separate account that you can say, I don't like any of the stuff that you guys offer. I'm going to go get my stuff on the open market generally not necessary, right? Uh, there's a little extra fees in there. You're going to have to pay uh, to transfer the money back and forth between the traditional side of the account and the brokerage side of the account. You have to uh, follow the rules as it relates to how much you can transfer at one time or how much you have to leave in the kind of normal side, if you will. And then you're going to pay uh, brokerage commissions every time you buy uh, positions inside your brokerage account, uh, whatever Schwab's going rate is these days and mutual fund uh, fees and that sort of thing. Really, the only reason you use a brokerage account is if the funds available in your 401k are so horrendous that you just you, you, you can't sleep at night. I mean, and I mean horrendous like hundreds of basis points or, you know, there's a hundred and fifty or a point and a half. 2% charges on the on the funds. They're all bottom quartile funds, which isn't going to happen. You know why? Because the company is held to the fiduciary standard. <laughs> you know, they've got the ERISA rules there that say that they have to review that stuff from time to time. So they're going to try to keep up with it. So generally speaking, unless it's so atrocious, you don't have any need for it. Um, or if you're looking for something really esoteric on an investment component. But again, I don't, I don't necessarily think you ever need to do that. So I take that section of the uh, summary plan description, crumple it up, throw it in the trash. I have uh, sometimes uh, back in the day recommended using these with people before, but I tell you, there's a big dangerous spot here, which because you have such a big yard to play in with that PCRA, it makes people start doing things with their 401k that they shouldn't be doing. They start thinking of it as a sandbox and, hey, I can buy individual stocks now. <laughs> I can be Closed rich. Closed-end funds. Preferred stock. Yes. Never it, heard of that. It, that sounds it, great. I'm going to do some of that. Starts feeling a lot like Vegas, and you don't want to play that game. Yeah. Yeah, keep it simple. Our next question comes to us from Aaron. Aaron says, hi, guys. I got a question in regards to investing for private high school. I've set up Coverdell accounts for my children with that money being earmarked for high school. Before we get into this, let's talk about a Coverdell. What's a Coverdell IRA, OG? Yeah, Coverdell's education IRA. So it just came on the heels of, gosh, was that right around Roth IRA time? Late 90s, I think, is when the education IRA came around. Yeah. Low contribution amounts, now they call it Coverdell, but low contribution amounts around, two. I think it's $2,000 a kid per tax year. And it's kind of like a 529, only you can also use it for private school at the uh, you know lower levels. Nice. So Aaron says that he set those up for his children with that money being earmarked for high school, knowing that we could roll that into college savings if something changes. On a mm -hmm. side note, we also have 529s going for college. With the 529s, we get a Nebraska state income tax break. My question is, how should I invest the Coverdell money? Right now, I have it invested in 2030, that's the year 2030, target date plan, since my kids are currently under three years old. 
Would this be the right route to invest so the plan's a little more conservative? Or should I be taking on more risk with this money while my children are young? Thanks, and I haven't learned a thing, hence this question. Obviously, Aaron, we don't know you, but um, I think we might be able to put you in the right direction. Yeah, so the same thing that I would do with a 529 plan is what I would do with the Coverdell account, which is when you're four years out from needing it, is when you take that year's tuition payment and move it to something conservative, right? So we, we quite often talk about time horizon and how long you've got for the money to be used and that sort of thing. So just kind of as a earmark in my head, I think, okay, when the child turns a fresh, you know, when they start their freshman year of high school is when we're going to take their freshman year of college 529 money and make it conservative, you know, we're going to put it in cash or we're going to put it in some really short term government fixed income or something like that because it's only four years away. But the sophomore, junior and senior college years of money that can still stay invested. So I would do the same thing for high school. And you got a shorter runway. You know, you're three. You're going to start high school when you're what, 14, I guess, give or take. So I would wait until the child is uh, like nine. And then I would say, OK, I'm going to take one fourth of that you know, payment. And now I'm going to move that to conservative. So over the next six years from a three-year-old till nine, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have that be a little bit more aggressive asterisk subject to your personal risk tolerance, time horizons, goal, blah, 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 blah. Our lawyers made us seem blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that wasn't really blah, blah, blah. If you play this very slowly, yeah, if you do it really slowly. It's like the micro machine guy. We talk for like half an hour. <laughs> That's what really happened. He says, uh, thanks, and I haven't learned a thing, hence the question. Glad you can't learn. If you learn from this show, keep it to yourself, please. Uh, Pat. Pat says, hey, love the show. Avid listener on my way to and from work. Great format. I'm a 38-year-old naval officer. Thanks for your service, Pat. Retirement from the military is about three years away. Ooh. With it will be a $55,000 a year pension and set health care costs for life. My 39-year-old wife, much older... Mm. Well, a whole three months, easy, easy he said. Cowboy. He said she, right. she's she's a she's a cougar. She's three months older than him, man. <laughs> Robin the cradle. Anyway, I have about five hundred thousand dollars in retirement savings, most in Roth IRAs and the Roth Thrift Savings Plan option. Hundred and sixty thousand dollars in college savings. Two kids. My transferable GI bills should take care of the rest of college savings. A rental home that cash flows about two thousand five hundred dollars annually but has about 280000 in remaining mortgage, our old home in Virginia that he rents out now, apparently. About $30,000 in taxable accounts in our primary house in Florida. We're debt-free with the exception of our homes and have a fully funded emergency fund. So my question, as I'm a reader of everyone from Dave Ramsey to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, what do I do next? We normally max out both Roths and then put about $6,000 a year in the Roth Thrift Savings Plan option. Should we invest more in retirement or taxable accounts? My worry is not so much when I'm 60 as it is when I'm 42 and, quote, retired, but looking for my next gig that's not in a uniform. I feel like we're done with college savings for a 9-11-year-old, but looking to build wealth otherwise. Thanks, guys. Really look forward to hearing your somewhat sarcastic, but always informative answer. Why does he think we'd be sarcastic? Yeah, I'm not sarcastic. You're sarcastic. I'm not sarcastic. But would I ever be sarcastic? <clears throat> no, just on just on Fridays, generally. Oh, only when I say, would I be sarcastic? Yeah, would and I only sarcastic? when I would say no. Right, exactly. Yeah, so so what do you think? What do they do next? They're doing a nice job. Yeah, here, here's the thing. At the end of the day, you're not done yet. Just because you got half a million bucks saved and, you know, maybe a little bit more if you count the college funds and that sort of thing, you know, it doesn't have to get sexy beyond this, Right. What got you here will get you there. So what Pat's saying here, what he's saying is, I think I've checked this box off of doing this kind of boring stuff. Well, I'm ready to do the cool things. Tell me about the neat hedge fund that's out there. Tell me about the, isn't there a cool timber field that I should buy that I can forest? No, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, there's plenty of clients that I've met with and work with and people that you've seen, of course, Joe, that they get in trouble when they kind of try to get creative with it. You know what I mean? If you got a couple of years and you don't know what your, your, your transition plan is going to look like post-military, if you're going to work for an extended period of time or you take some time off, then yeah, I would make sure that you've got some extra money in the uh, taxable side of things so you can take money out to live on. If I'm assuming 55,000 might not get you all the way, uh, all the way through retirement, but, um, uh, but that's a good start, right? I mean, 55 grand to, right. to, uh, to be done. 
so yeah, if that's if, if you're going, how do I? If the question is, how do I bridge the gap for the three to five years that I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do after I get out of the service? Taxable accounts. Yep. If you're trying to if you're trying to get cute on your investment plan because right. you think you've done it, don't get cute. Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, and you'll be happy. I was thinking he could use a company like Roofstock and buy more rental properties. If he's interested in that, if he likes, yeah. if he likes his rental property, well, but the problem with that is realize he's going to create more cash flow for that time frame, but he's going to lose liquidity on that money. So it really depends for me on what he wants to do. Like if he's thinking about that next opportunity being to build a business, I would never buy another rental property if Plus I were the businesses to buy two rental, rental properties. Two rental properties. <laughs> <laughs> good, very good point. Yes, there's only one business that might make sense there. So that might well, that's, be that's kind of what we were saying, right? If he's looking, how do I fund a, a, a gap year? God, I hate that term. But but, you know, how do I I'm going to get out of the service in three years. And then what am I going to do for, you know, a year or two while I settle into what I'm going to do for the next 20 years of my life? Then, yes, the money needs to be liquid. It needs to go into your taxable account. Probably needs to be in cash. But if you're talking about how do I get cooler, sexier investment products? Don't do that. Stick to what you know and stick to what you've been doing so far. All right, time for us to refill the coffee, man. And uh, it looks like uh, Doug's coming down to the basement and uh, Mr. Microphone Hog's about to take over. Hi, everyone. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I finally come up with a solution for this annoying bald spot. My friend just showed me this life-changing product called Capilus. It's a, it's a cap, and it grows your hair while you wear it. It's so simple, but how amazing is that? Beautiful head of hair, here I come. All this talk about being bald spots and hair growth got me thinking about some trivia. I think you can see where this is going. Here's your question. What popular hair growth product, part of the $225 million hair growth industry, originally started off as a medicine for high blood pressure? I'll have your answer right after this. talked about this stat before, but this is scary. According to a 2016 Gallup poll, 48% of all Americans don't own any stock. And I realize it can be daunting when it's time to start something new, but here's a great thing. Getting invested is more to do with taking baby steps than leaping headfirst into Wall Street. Here's Brian Barnes, founder of M1 Finance, on just how easy it is to be invested. So you just either log on to the website or use the mobile application. We're native on Android and iOS, and it takes about three minutes, and your first $1,000 that you deposit is managed for free. I'd love to say the free $1,000 is a special deal I made for you, but uh, Brian and M1 Finance are that good to everybody. With M1, you can select from one of dozens of professionally designed portfolio pies, or you can customize it, as mom says, to your heart's content. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash M1 Finance for more. That's stackybenjamins.com. M, the number one, finance.com for more. So just fire up their mobile app, M1 Finance, be invested. Hey everyone, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, back from the break. So, uh... We might have a little problem here. I was doing some research on Capitalists. Turns out their little magic hair hat costs 800 smuckaroos, and that's for the cheap version. I guess magic doesn't come cheap anymore. I'm not joking, people. This is a real product. Let's get back to the trivia, though. Before the break, I asked this question. What popular hair growth product, part of the $225 million hair growth industry, originally started off as medicine for high blood pressure? The answer, Rogaine. If you ask me, the guy's blood pressure probably dropped after not having to worry about the ladies looking at their bald spot. That actually gave me an idea. Joe's mom has plenty of miracle Grow somewhere in the garage. I'm going to go find it before she wastes it all on those stupid plants. See ya. Bam. You got that one right. Well, you know. <laughs> Fish it in the pond that I know a lot about. <laughs> what did you just say? I'm not even sure I know what that means. That's okay. Well, here's something you do know something about, OG. Throwing out the lifeline. Let's throw out Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's 
or rather life insurance's most important questions, our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they're disrupting, OG. Whenever I say that, that they're disrupting, doesn't it just seem like, like, do you remember those Kool-Aid commercials where the Kool-Aid dude just like rips through the wall? Yeah. I feel course. like, I feel the like. Kool-Aid container. Did you, you used to have a big Kool-Aid container? Oh, like yeah. that size? Of course we did. Yes. Yeah. And just. Two cups of sugar. Oh, yeah. Did you remember just pouring that sugar in there? Oh, oh. just the two cups and the little packet of flavor. And you're like, what's left? Mango. Oh, come on, oh. Mom. go get the lime one. I know. Why did she even have the mango? The, the <laughs> Haven Life's wondering where where you're this went off the, the rails. Yeah, they're they're disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on what you value most. What do you value most, OG? Money and cars. Okay. How about family and time? They were the first life insurance startup that's also wholly owned by the industry giant Mass Mutual to create a high-quality, affordable term life insurance policy. You can purchase entirely online. Qualified healthy applicants, guess what? They get to skip the medical exam. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. The thing that I like about uh, the Haven Life website, they've got a great fantastic tool to figure out how much insurance you need instead of just pointing a number. And as you know, OG in life insurance, isn't about one number. It's a range. They give you a range. Hey, you probably want to be between here and here, depending yeah, on how you it's feel. Not, it's not an exact thing. Great stuff. Yeah. Well, here's a guy with an exact question. Our new friend Jay's calling the lifeline. Hey, Jay. Hey, Joe and OG. This is Jay from Tennessee. First time caller. Hope things are going well down there in the basement. It's awful hot here in Tennessee this time of the year. I have a quick question for you. I have a large part of my retirement savings with one of the big box retailers. Recently, my advisor suggested that I put some of that money into an actively managed account. However, they're not going to invest that money in a single mutual fund. They're going to take that money and buy over 100 individual stocks and manage the portfolio stocks much like a mutual fund. Now they've removed all the trading fees so that when they buy and sell out of this portfolio of single stocks that I'll be holding, it won't be charging me a trading fee every time, but there is an active account management fee that they will be charging me. So what are your thoughts on this trend towards going to single stocks over mutual funds? I'm listening intently, thanks. Thanks, Jay. And Thanks, Jay. OG's about to speak intently. I will speak very intently. This is what's called a separately managed account. In our parlance, we would call them SMAs. And effectively, what you're doing here is you're eliminating the collectiveness of the mutual fund. So kind of back up a little bit. You've got a mutual fund, right? ABC Growth Fund. That fund is managed by a person. Right. If you have enough money, you can go to that person and say, manage my money just like you do everybody else's. But I want to own the individual stocks. Well, why would you want to do that? Well, maybe you have a really concentrated stock position and you're trying to diversify around it. Right. And you don't want to sell it for whatever reason. Maybe there's a there's a tax issue. Maybe you're an insider at a company and you're required to have a certain amount of stock in your company and you need to manage the risk around that. All this is, is basically a glorified mutual fund with about the same charges of a mutual fund because now the fund manager, he's just going to charge you directly and the advisor is going to charge you directly. And unless it's in a taxable account where you can really benefit from the tax gains and losses, I don't necessarily see the benefit in it. It's just a sexier way of saying just buy ABC Growth Fund because that's not as sexy. And so sometimes people want to see 200 page statements, you know, and all this trading and make them feel important. I don't know that I would, uh, I don't know that I would go in this direction. Yeah, I don't think I'd go there either. I'm totally with you. In a taxable account, maybe we can make a difference. By the way, there are, this is like, for advisors, this is like the first move up toward using a hedge fund. And it's funny, there are some good managers who do it's, separately it's, manage It's accounts. a gateway drug. It, it, SMAs are a gateway drug to hedge funds. Doesn't it totally feel like it? <laughs> Don't you think yes, so? It, I totally I agree with it, you. It, it, it completely yeah. does. And there are some hedge fund managers that most of us can't afford who have an amazing history of beating the stock market. We go through those statistics. The statistics 
on some of these people go out the window. We say that people, you know, we, we do the statistics about the random walk down Wall Street and people right. can't beat the market. There are people who do and they only work with really, really high end people. It's a whole different ball game. But this well, well yeah, this so is, they, this is, no, there are people that have, is that what you have, mean to say. Right. But there's no evidence to suggest that they have done it in the past, they will do it again in the future. But there are and that's the crux of Exactly. But there are people that have a strong track record of there doing it. There are people it. that have decades of experience yes, doing right. it. Correct. Yep. Right. Yeah. But this is this is not that. This is the gateway drug to that. And outside of a taxable account, I wouldn't get involved. And even in a taxable account, I'd still go, uh yeah, I, I mean, know. there's there's got to be a reason for it, right? I mean, like I said, if you if you've got a single position that you have to manage around because you know because you've inherited a whole bunch or you acquired a whole bunch or you're an insider, maybe. But um, this is an exception rather than the rule, I think. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you for the question, Jay. If you've got a question, like us to throw out the lifeline to you. It's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. That's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, and you will be on the Haven Lifeline. Let's go back to the letters bag because we've got a few more, OG, before we call it today. This one's from sure. Terry. Terry says, my wedding's fast approaching, and the fiancé and I plan to start investing a portion of our income to build a profitable portfolio. As this is a new adventure for the both of us, I was wondering if you had any suggestions on basic questions or insights when meeting with a financial advisor and or a stockbroker. I hope that makes sense. That makes perfect sense, Terry. By the way, congratulations on your upcoming wedding. Sucker. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Come on in. The water's warm. Yeah. Yeah. You can come and be as miserable as the rest of us. (laughs) So bad. That is so bad. I love being married, actually. Thank goodness Mrs. OG doesn't listen to the show. She only listened to that one the other day. Oh, boy. uh, About the mystery spot. Even (laughs) Mrs. OG's mother listened to that one. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was was live streaming in the uh, family family vacation. No, 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 no. So thanks, uh, Tony, for tweeting about it and uh, and also making a joke about the uh, million visitors to the Mrs. OG's mystery spot. That's yeah. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's, by the way, that really benefited me the, over that next week. You know, there was a lot of love shown, a lot of hugs. A lot of, I doubt a that. Sleeping on the couch. Right. Sleeping on the couch. Right. Sorry about that, man. Uh, All Terry, right. So congratulations on getting married. Uh, first and foremost, I, I really strongly suggest that you build a profitable portfolio like you suggested as opposed to an unprofitable one. So I think you're headed in the right direction there. That's my sarcasm for the day. What are my suggestions for how to do it? Oh, no. The question was how to meet with a meet with an advisor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll get there. I actually wrote it down. I got a little note right here. See, I got the note. It's yeah, that a, was about to go the wrong way. I was about yeah. to. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're yeah. not commenting. So so how do we uh, how do we meet with people? Well, first of all, I wouldn't meet with a stockbroker. So that eliminates two thirds of the population right out the gate. Great resource is the CFP website. So it's CFP.net. So CFP stands for Certified Financial Planner. You can look everybody up there to see if they're a CFP. Uh, requires a two-day, 10-hour exam, an undergraduate degree. It requires three years of experience, and then you've got to take these uh, courses. I think there's about six of them these days, kind of master's-level finance courses that you've got to take before you can sit for the exam, and then you got to pass that, of course, as well. So a lot of, lot of stuff to get into. But the CFP website, cfp.net or letsmakeaplan.org, both of those kind of funnel you to the same place, has a great... 10 questions that you should ask a financial planner. And I would go through that piece by piece. The other thing that I would be sure to do is make sure you review and research them on finra.org, F-I-N-R-A.org. I think we've got the link on Stacking Benjamins for that. Broker search. Broker, broker check. check. Yeah, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash broker check will take you right there. Yep. So you want to go there. And then you also want to look them up on the SEC website. Two different sites, two different registrations. Uh, they may point you to the same place, but you want to double check both. And the the link right on the sec.gov website says, check out brokers or advisors and you put them in there and you, and you know, you can see all the, all the history. If they got, if they got a clean background, that's cool. If they don't, it doesn't exclude them, but you just want to have a conversation about it. Like, Hey, I saw you had a complaint or what was that about? Or, you know, I've got another question though. So that's your background check, right? I mean, that's, I think that's before you go in and meet with them that you go through all the things that you're talking about and that helps you limit the field. Well, the of, 10 questions is what you do with them in person. Of who you do, right. It's those 10 questions. I thought maybe we'd go through a couple of those questions. 
so a number of those questions are things around philosophy. A lot of them are around education and experience, which, you know, you can kind of look up on LinkedIn or you can look them up on the CFP website or FINRA or, or SEC for the broker check. But the biggest thing when working with a financial professional is the fit. You have to be able to connect with them because I don't ever go into a relationship with a client assuming that it's going to be a one-year deal, right? Like my phrase that I tell everybody is, <clears throat> I really strongly believe in the song, how can we be lovers if we can't be friends? So how are we going to be working together over the next 30 years, helping you with your financial planning and helping you with, you know, all these different goals and time frames and everything that's going to happen if we don't like each other? So the biggest thing is, you know, you got to believe in their philosophy and they got to be aligned with you, all that. But uh, you got to kind of like them, you know, and if you don't like them, they don't like you. I don't care how smart or cool or it doesn't matter. It, it's you're just going to have a crappy relationship. So yeah, and there could be fantastic advisors out there who work with nobody like you, too. I would try to make sure that they work with people that are in a similar situation as yeah. as yours. Tom Peters, a great management guru, was talking about back in the late 1990s that the uh, heads of state in Russia had a heart surgeon who only worked on the heads of state in Russia. That was it. That was their only job. And they didn't do anything but that. And then he went to a hospital in Atlanta where these people were doing like, you know, three and four a day. Right. And he made the point, which one do you want? Somebody who works on people like you three or four times a day or a dude who sits around and once a year, if that maybe, you know, is reserved for, he's like, of course you want the person who works with people like you does it over and over and over again. Like that's yeah. a, that's a way, way, way better process. And so I don't know if that's Ten, the, the 10,000 hour deal, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. know if that's the perfect analogy, but I, I think everybody gets my point. Pretty close. Yeah. Good stuff there. Thanks for the question. And uh, we've got one more here. Get time for one more. All right. This one comes to us from Matt. Matt says, hi, Joe and OG. I'm a school teacher who just recently moved to a new state from Illinois, though I'm vested. <laughs> Sorry. Did I start laughing? Because when you, when you say you move from Illinois and you're a teacher, that means this is going to be this is going to be a pension question, OG. Mm. Hi, I'm moving from Illinois, where you might know that we might have a pension issue. All right, though I'm vested in the Chicago Teachers Pension Fund, bam, I have some uncertainty about whether the money will be there when I retire in 30 years. Currently, I'm projected to earn $7,500 a year starting age 65. However, simple math tells me if I take the money and expect at least a 5.8% return from now on, I can invest and earn the same amount of money with maybe a little more certainty. My question is whether you believe it's better to leave the money in a broken pension fund or take it out and invest myself. There's a small chance I may return to Illinois in a few years when my girlfriend is finished with law school. I do have other retirement IRA accounts as well as a 403B combined with my last job in my current district. Thanks. Good question, Matt. Let's uh, tackle yeah. that one. When it comes to pensions, I think the writing is on the wall here of what's happening with these defined benefit plans, especially the municipal ones throughout the country. Illinois, of course, has made headlines for all their stuff that's going on in their state government and different municipalities. It sounds like you probably only worked there a little while if your pension is only $7,500 a year at age 75 or 65. And you said you got 30 years to go. So maybe you've got a couple of years. So the pension balance isn't very high at this point. I, under no circumstances, like leaving my retirement control in somebody else's hands, especially people who can't manage to do math correctly. So I would have the money gone before the end of the day in my 403B plan or in my brokerage account, you know, IRA or whatever, and invest it just like you normally would from a long term. But the trade-off, of course, is, you know, you can't screw it up. Right. You know, if you screw it up and it's gone, you can't go back to Illinois and say, gosh, I really followed that up. I'd take my 7,500 a year now, you know? Yeah. I go through an exercise of which one will upset you more. You take control of it yourself and you either mismanagement and don't get it your don't get your 5.8 or you go back to Illinois the pension system wasn't broken and you could have had more years does that upset you more or does it upset you more if you stick with the broken pension program and it goes bye-bye and now you're you know getting pennies on the dollar or 50 cents on the dollar whatever it might be that's the trade-off I would walk through that emotional pattern too because I think that's an important part mm-hmm yeah, good stuff. And then I would take the money out. And put it <laughs> <in my IRA. laughs> 
Oh, good question, Matt. Hey, and thanks everybody for the questions today. Fantastic stuff. If you've got a question for the show, send those to me, Joe at Stacking Yes, Joe at StackingBenjamins.com. And by the way, the better way to go, of course, is the Haven Lifeline. Uh, We'll throw that out to you if you just go to StackingBenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Or for both of them, just head to our website, Stacking Benjamins. And you know what? Across the top, it says questions, question mark, and click that, and you'll have all those options. Also, if you think you need bigger help in your corner, a financial advisor in your corner, guess what? OG's taking clients. And for you to get on his calendar to find out more about what it would take to get him in your corner. Did I say that twice? I think I did. Uh, Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash letter O and letter G. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG. And we'll get you there. Big thanks also to everybody who's left us a review on the show. Great reviews lately, OG. Just, uh, I'm so thankful for people that take a second to tell listeners of the Stacking Benjamin show what they're getting into. And this one is going on Mom's Refrigerator. By the way, we are number 70 overall in business today as we record this. This one is, or is it going on Mom's Fridge? This one's written by, hey, Mr. DJ17 says, entertainment, knowledge, dessert. What more can you ask? Four or five stars. I've never written a review for a podcast before, but this one's definitely worth writing a review. I found this podcast through Afford Anything, and I was curious because you were very entertaining as a guest speaker and it was refreshing to get a differentiating review in the finance world. I started listening and was immediately hooked and drawn in. Now, being that I'm new to the podcast scene and going from casual listening to music in the car to religiously listening to a podcast every moment I can get. This podcast gives very non-judgmental advice and a very straightforward without dancing around the question. The show is very engaging and I almost feel like I'm in the basement with them in Texas. Hands down, a great and amazing show. If you're into finance and what great advice, come listen in. Great. Fantastic. Thanks for the review. Hey, Mr. DJ 17. Absolutely love it. All right, OG, we are heading out. Doug, take it from here. What should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, credit card is a status symbol? Mike Brown from LendEDU nailed it. Use your credit card for emergencies, not as a way to brag to your friends. Second, active management in your IRA? Maybe a manager can beat the index, but finding one that consistently wins? Studies show that it's difficult to figure out who's going to beat the market next year. Once you add fees, it's even harder to find someone who beat the index. But the big lesson... Never tell Joe's mom about your bald spot just before you fall asleep on the sofa watching NASCAR. That woman just shaved my head. A big thanks to Mike Brown from LendEDU.com for stopping by. You'll find a link to their Millennials and Credit Card Trivia on our show notes page at StackingBenjamins.com. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjaminsCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Special thanks to Gertrude for telling me that bald men are sexy. I knew it all along. Asterisk, subject to your personal risk tolerance, time horizons, goal, blah, 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 blah. Our lawyers made us say blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that wasn't really blah, blah, blah. If you play this very slowly. Yeah, if you do it really slowly, it's like...
The previous or following inferences, portrayals, material disclosures, or ad-libs you may or may not have heard and not get do not necessarily demean the NTLA, MCA, banking, film processing, laboratory services, pharmaceutical distribution office, products and services, consumables, distribution office, anyone in this room tonight, including but not limited to their neighbors, friends, and if for any reason any of my material jokes cause any normally sane person to laugh in the middle of a drink, causing said person a person to spew milk, water, coffee, an alcoholic beverage, any other liquid or solid through their mouth or nose resulting in a stain, spill, or other such damages may occur. Neither are the aforementioned persons are indemnified against, cannot condone, therefore will not be responsible for alleged harm, loss, pain, and suffering. Misfortune, hurt, wound, bruise, blow, accident, havoc, mischief, or ego damage to actual person or persons or their expensive clothing worn on this occasion to impress their friends, coworkers, or bosses, including but not limited to an act of God and not and certainly not dependent upon tax take title first point security based on individual disappearance delivered today to a customer near you. Welcome to the after show for new listeners. Welcome. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. If you've ever seen reviews of our show, people talk about dessert. If you have to talk about it, which you shouldn't talk about it, you can call it dessert, but Mm -hmm. we, we generally don't talk about money here. We generally don't talk about financial planning. Uh, Sometimes we do, but not often. We'll talk about movies, video games, podcasts, uh, weird stuff that's happened, trips we've taken, funny or just, whatever just whatever yeah so speaking of trips i um took my family up to northern michigan nice family's on vacation for a while i traveled back and forth to our hometown here so i could keep on working and just a cacophony of things went wrong like when we when we came back uh last week our air conditioner broke we had a hailstorm so our roof is damaged our gate for our backyard doesn't work like we have an automatic gate and the fence blew down and on top of that, all the bushes look like crap because it's rained a lot. And, you know, we had the grass mode, but no, you know, no landscaping done or anything like that. So I'm going through tackling these problems one at a time. And I've decided that I want to get a hedge trimmer. So I went down to Lowe's and I picked myself up a hedge trimmer. Pretty sweet deal, if I do say so myself. And so yesterday. Makes you feel like a man, doesn't it? Oh, totally. I'm Grr. so sorry. I can barely lift my hands above my <laughs> head right now. But that's, uh, a, that's another story. But so I did all of that stuff yesterday, right? I trimmed all the bushes and I told my kids last night, I said, Hey, tomorrow that mess that's outside needs to get picked up. And boy, are they pissed off. It's hot. I told them to get up at seven. I said, you get up at seven o'clock. I'd get to it right away. I wouldn't waste too much time. They are out there right now. It's about uh, 11 o'clock in the morning. It's all of 93 degrees with some decent humidity. Man, are they pissed off. <laughs> they just, they're sweating. Oh, that's, uh, they haven't done a lick of work in their entire life, I realized. They don't know anything about hard work. So we they used, have to clean all this up. We had a big yard and a big garden. And all summer long, we had to mow the yard. We had, we had, we had three different lawnmowers to mow lawn. We had, mm-hmm. we had the first one to go around like all the trees. And mm-hmm. then, we, then we had the riding lawnmower where we got, uh, th- there were some parts like over the septic system and stuff where we didn't want to take the tractor because we had, I mean, it was a monster thing. And yeah. uh, it was like 200 yards out to the road and it was all mowed. We, my dad put up a backstop. We had like a, had a baseball diamond in our front yard, but anyway, way out in the country. But, but I, well, I, I mowed the grass in my grandma's house with a tractor. It when took, I was a kid. Yeah, ours was an old Ford tractor hooked up to a brush hog. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's and, what we did. Yep, yeah. and you'd take all day. I had, I man, this is going to be bad, but I had one of those big, I had a huge, huge one of those cassette players, you know, yeah. those Sony Walkman. Yeah. I had the big old Sony Walkman. Uh, just amazing how at that time that was so cool that I could strap on some headphones and put this, you know, thing that looks, looks like it. It was just huge. Hook that baby up to your belt clip. 
I was off and listening to. I was doing that yesterday. I had my uh, had my headphones in and I was uh, I was trimming all. Gosh, they are so mad. I'm looking at it at the window right now, and they're just they're sour. It's it's so great. I'm gonna make my kids do this more often. I think. <laughs> I think I'm gonna. When we mowed the grass when I was a kid, we lived in the city, so unlike you, we didn't have a big yard. But my dad bought a lawnmower for us, and it was one of those ones that had the wheel with the blade on it. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get one of them for my kids. And they can mow our grass that way. You're horrible. Remember that sound? Yes. It's like it's like freaking lead. There's that hole in that thing, or and then it would get stuck. Like a twig would get in there, and be like, or you'd hit your chest on it because it would get stuck and like kind of stuck in the ground. I I rarely use those, and I wasn't good at using them. Uh, oh, I'm not, it wasn't good either. And I hated it. No, I more often because I lived in farm country, drove tractors yeah. and uh, I worked for my neighbor, Rob, who had a big farm and I would plow fields for him. And I remember I'm listening to music on full blast. Uh, Cause you had to. Yes. <laughs> because you got a freaking tractor underneath you. Well, it's a big white tractor. I mean, white's the name of the company, and uh, it, and I'm in an air conditioned unit, dude. Oh, uh, oh yeah, no, no, Jeez. no. This is it. You highfalutin over there in the western part of Michigan. Oh no, on no, the no, man. Side, this at was grandma's a, house. This um, was this was a huge, huge tractor. There's, there's no AC. I can assure you that. So I'm driving down to the end of the field, and you know, there's there's uh, this is a great lesson, by the way. And had to had to talk about this, you my friend. So yourself. Well, I, I had a great talk about this last week with my friend Mike. We were talking about like the, like the biggest lessons, and it's funny because a lot of the time, like when you're growing up, you kind of want the adult to yell at you, so you know the severity of what it is. Like when you've got to determine for yourself as a kid what the severity of the problem is. Um, uh-huh. It's like way way worse. It's like Disney used to have this ride that they put in the dark because the Imagineers realized that the stuff that they could make was not as damaging as putting you in the dark and your brain would do a better job, right? So they they said they would use the dark and noises to make your brain come up with much better stuff than they could ever do. Same thing I think applies here. So anyway, so Rob was always a great boss, but I'm riding down and, and I get to the trees at the end and you know, my my tractor had these wide arms and had these um, these mirrors on either side that stuck up Mm-hmm. And a tree limb would get caught on the mirror and it would go back a little bit, back a little bit, and then would just fling and it would go off. Well, I'm, you know, I am not paying attention at all. I'm playing the drums. I'm in this air conditioned unit. It's the easiest job. And all I got to do is make sure the damn thing goes straight. <laughs> yeah. Drive straight, turn around, drive straight again. Easiest job ever. I get to the end of the field one time. I turn around, there's a limb and the limb goes back and back and back and back on the mirror and then flings forward, hits the side of the cab, smashes the window all the, like the entire side window, which is, you know, there's the door was a window. Yeah. The whole side was a window, all shatters, glass all over the end of the field. I've just totally taken out the side of this huge, expensive tractor and I'm shaking in my boots, man. I am just, I am shaken because I, oh man. So I'm shaking remembering this and this is, you know, <laughs> long 30 something years ago. So I, uh, so I drive the tractor back. I go find Rob. He's working on something else in a barn. And he always had us call him Rob. And I said, because, you know, with my family, never do it. It was always Mr. So-and-so, right? But Rob was like, no, 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 I'm Rob. So I said, uh, um, Rob, uh, excuse me. I've got to show you something with the tractor. And he walks out and he takes a look at it. And he looks at me and he just very calmly says, he said, I, I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There was a limb and it hit the side of the tractor. And it was, you know, obviously it, it, it's horrible. And he looks at me, he goes, you know what, Joe, this is a, this is a big operation and stuff breaks, stuff doesn't go the way we want it. The good thing is I know that you were paying attention to what you were doing and it wasn't your fault and you're okay. And he just stared at me and I felt totally like dog because he didn't yell at me and because he said, well, I know you were paying attention. And I'm like, oh no, I wasn't. Dagger. (laughs) I I totally. And he knew that you weren't. Yeah. You ran into a freaking tree. Yes. Yeah. He had a situation, uh, Mike did with, with one of his kids where his son was like, was like, I wish you'd just yell at me. (laughs) He's like, no, man, I know that, uh, Hey, you know, there's, there's a lesson here and you learned it yourself. I I learned a lot from Mike. 
one of my favorite lines actually that I I just I I totally enjoy now from Game Night a couple couple weeks ago. Oh yeah, it does. I forgot you know the mic I'm talking about. Yeah, you're looking at me like, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I do. Yep. And I can't say the I, no, I can't say it. Oh, you can't say the words. line. Yeah, it's a yeah, bad line. No, no, it's a, yeah. we'd have to mark the, the right. podcast explicit. All right, email me if you want to know what the line was. Joe yeah, at stackybenjamins.com and uh, OG will tell me the line and we'll do it that way. All right, we got to go. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.